that Pippo, Grafton, and Millie have completed their quest, what sort of shenanigans are they getting up to in their spare time? We meet up with the crew dining at Gilda's, each recalling an event that has taken place since returning Maria's bag. The big guy spends some time up on the Acropolis talking with a group of other paladins and clerics. Meanwhile, down below the city, our favorite chipmunk in a wizard hat spent some more time exploring. Keys to the Universe, a Dubious Histories podcast. Season 1.5, After Hours Adventures. Episode 18, Priest, Patuki, and... It's a few weeks after the events in the sewer and you're meeting with Maria. You all sit at a table on the exposed rooftop level of Gilda's pub, laughing and chatting, generally enjoying the evening. The rooftop is illuminated in a soft pinkish hue as the sun is just setting and the three moons rise above the horizon. The rose moon is largest in the sky, beginning its closer pass through the spring season, and is flanked by the marigold and iris moons, currently more distant and smaller in the sky. I wonder if you guys eating uh, just as you enjoy this time back together after you've been apart for maybe a couple days or weeks. Pippo has a bottle of mead, because I've been told that Gilda has the finest mead in Orana. And pretty much any meat-based product that they have on the menu, I've requested that they just keep bringing until I decide I'm done. <laughs> nice. Uh, Grufton is having an assortment of roasted nuts, so Brazil nuts, walnuts, chestnuts, um, and now I'm singing the Donkey Kong 64 theme song in my head. <laughs> I mean the redacted theme song. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think we can make references. Should probably look into that though. Um, so yeah, and then to drink with that, he's just having some fresh water. Millie is making it through a second bowl of stew, beef stew with potatoes and onions and cabbage and is drinking a beer. Can Pippo make a dexterity check to try and snag one of her yes, potatoes? Yes, definitely. <laughs> so I guess that would be a dexterity save and a dexterity reflexes. Awareness? Oh, for, no. sorry, for me. For her it would be awareness. No. <laughs> That's mean. <laughs> To see if I, or to see if she sees me trying to. I mean, are you? Are, is it a sneaky thing? It seems more You're like it would be sneaky. a reflexes to me than like it's just not if being I'm aware fast of what's, to stop yeah, you. That seems more accurate to me. Anything is possible if you roll high enough. <laughs> okay, well, make your roll to see if you're sneaky, and then we'll go from there. Uh, is that gonna be my dexterity then? Yeah. All right. Then it'll be your speed. I'm currently looking at. Millie's character sheet. <laughs> uh, that would be a... Doesn't count as unarmed, right? A 15. I think probably what? not. A 15. Okay, I guess you're being pretty sneaky then, so make your awareness check <laughs> to see if you're aware of this. Someone's three beers down. 
13. Oh, that's so close. Uh, okay, so Pippo, how, how are you being sneaky? Like, what does this look like in, in scene and character? Hey, Millie, those potatoes look pretty good. How they taste? As she sips some of the soup broth. They're good. You missed out. Oh, that's too bad. Hey, oh, I think you got something on the bottom of your cup there. What? No, the cup, cup starts looking at the bottom. Potato, just, just full <laughs> potato. <laughs> Knock it off. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I thought it was on the inside. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, what else uh, are you guys talking about? You understand it was just like some slices of potato in the soup, right? Yeah, I, like, I just, okay. just totally just like, hold your potato, like just grab some potato, and then shove <laughs> it in my mouth real quick. <laughs> well, now, anyway, so I've warmed up too recently. Have one been sticking around all raw now, or... Uh, don't I know. I've just been exploring the city a little bit. Uh, that those underground passages are really confusing to try and keep track of. Oh yeah, I'm uh, kind of staying around or staying away from the underground myself. I got enough uh, enough time in the sewers for for a while. Yeah. I've been helping out with the construction up at the college. I've done all that construction underground. I've never done it above ground before. It's very interesting. Oh, yeah. So I, I was... Well, I... Soul searching. Let's start with that. Yeah. I uh, went up to the Acropolis. Apparently I missed the Acropolis. I kept going. Wound up in the mountains for a little bit. Convened with Dagamouth a little bit. Came back from the mountains, and then I found the Acropolis, and then I was there for a while. Just nice, nice people on the Acropolis. Is that the right word, Acropolis? I like how it sounds, Acropolis. Acropolis. And with that, we see the sun's shining down on top of the Acropolis. Temples and shrines line the perimeter of a flat rocky area, and tables and benches are set out for people to relax at as they visit the different temples. A few of Osai fly down to a table near the Temple of Estrebon, while a few bushes roll across the square to speak with the druid near the Gardens of Flora. Most of the common folk are chatting and enjoying the sunshine, but heads start to turn as a discussion starts to arise between a particularly large individual and a few clerics and paladins. A squat round man in decorative red armor questions the ogre. And, uh, who exactly did you say you were a paladin of, then? A taller blue woman in a plain black dress chimes in. You should let the ogre speak. Well, well, I mean, we just can't have any random wizard who comes through doing a few magic tricks to stir up our good people and trying to start a new religion. There has to be something to it. Well, what do you have to say for yourself, then, ogre? Well, as I say, I'm, I'm not a magician. I wish I was. Magic is real fancy. I like it a lot. But uh, I'm actually as you say, a paladin of Dagamouth, the fair and just. Right? Say it with me. Dagamouth, the fair and just. <laughs> I've never heard of this Daggermouth before. 
I just told you, like, two minutes ago. <laughs> at this, an ancient old wizened druid, who's half willow tree at this point, has made his way slowly over to the crowd. Well, well, something new, something new. As he starts to speak, the others clearly defer to this old man. I suppose, then, what's really called for is, shall we say, a test of faith. Each of you, here and now, call upon your patrons, and we shall each make our own judgments based on what we see. So that, uh, each person calls for something to prove their patron's power. So what do you guys want to, um, how do you guys kind of like want to set up your calling on your patron? Oh, well. (laughs) What do you mean setting up? Because currently the thing that Daggermouth really uh, does is comes out of the void and consumes things. I was going to say, I have an offer for you that maybe might be something Pippo wants to do. Um, I, speaking of offer, I've considered by collecting tithes of sorts, um, you know, food and money and such, providing it to Daggermouth, and he comes and consumes said offerings. That's kind of what I was okay. thinking about maybe being an offer, is you set up some sort of meal or something that... Daggermouth then consumes. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna do that. So what sort of uh maybe I'll let you think about this as the others kind of share their ideas, but like think about like what is it that you're actually gonna be offering? Um kind of as like, you know, each of these different uh clerics or paladins are like just kind of like calling to people. People are like bringing forth stuff to like make this happen because all the people are like, oh, it's a spectacle now, like what's gonna happen? I think I've got an idea. Okay. Um, you want to describe your uh, character? We I don't think we've mentioned them yet. Uh, so I am playing Altrine. He is a Avosai, which is a bird person with dark feathers fading to blue at the tips. Uh, he's wearing a white tabard and has a hooked beak. Um, and so he will uh, he will say. <laughs> Astravon has been proved over and over at this uh, Acropolis, but if more proof is needed, then Astravon will surely provide. We have no need of fancy ceremonies or anything. Astravon is of the sky. He is everywhere and with us always. And he will blow away that squall on the horizon as easily as he will blow away any doubts that are in this group. Nice. My night elf chuckles at that. I will darken the eyes of the area around me so that they cannot see. Poxa will keep you all from seeing me. All right. And Pippo, what do you actually call for to make this happen? Right. Well, they are talking about things. I'm kind of ignoring them as I'm setting up, like, this big, like, log roast spit thing. Put a full pig between the, you know, uh, end posts. Put a bunch of gold on it, because Daggermouth also appreciates gold. Uh, and I'm going to provide a sacrifice to Daggermouth. I'm going to come and remove this sacrifice and claim it for himself. Cool. Um, all right, so everybody make your uh, charisma checks. 22. So 
Nine should be plus two, right? Yes. For, uh, for a okay, yeah. So two, three, and then 13, so 16. Cool. Uh, I also have a 22. You guys tied at 22? Yes. Okay. Um, so I think just like immediately what happens is uh, just like the sacrifice for Daggermouth just gone. Like the space stretches, it chomps on it, like, and it's gone, and everybody's like, what? And then everybody's eyes go dark uh, for just a moment. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's also the moment when Estrevon blows away the squall on the horizon. Um, and so, you know, it takes a moment and then people's vision returns um, and they kind of see, um, you know, they kind of saw the sacrifice disappear. Then their eyes were blinded. Um and, uh, you know, they look out to the horizon and the squall is gone, but they didn't actually, like, experience that quite so much. Um, okay. Startled by the loss of sight. Oh, I'm sorry about that. You all saw the sacrifice get disappeared and eaten, right? Like, he's never done the whole blindness thing before, but you saw that. <laughs> it happened. Sorry about the eyes. Was all expected. Feana has started dancing and praising her goddess, Poxa. Alterine is just kind of standing there trying to act nonchalant about, no, nothing happened. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what your problem is. Okay. Um, so at that, uh, Turk the Druid kind of dismisses the crowd, says they're now, each has demonstrated their power, and you can all make decisions for yourselves. Now there's no sense in all gathering around here. Um, and Turgery's the um, paladin in the red armor is kind of like, well, maybe there is something to it, but I don't know. Seems kind of iffy to me. So he kind of like mutters and wanders off. Um, and as the crowd disbands, a teenage boy in blue robes comes up to Pippo. Hello? Uh, hi, Pippo. Uh, I really liked what you said back there. Um, and I thought maybe I could... And he kind of, like, looks at the ground and kicks some rocks around. Uh, I don't know. Help you with uh, the dagger mouth stuff? Uh... What? Okay. Uh, you guys just seem a lot better than uh, the other group I was hanging out with. And he kind of like scratches the back of his head. Um, so Do I, I recognize him as Danny Teen Boy? I don't know. Do you, does Pippo recognize... It is Danny if, Teen if Boy. It is Danny does Teen Boy, Pippo then yes. Recognize? Okay. Yes. Uh, Pippo's all about friendship. Okay. <laughs> uh, so he kind of like is scratching the back of his head. He's like, uh... The other group I was hanging out with, so I thought maybe that would be a better direction. Uh, I know that they're bad news. It's just uh, I'm all alone now, and I didn't really know who else to turn to. But I thought maybe I could help you out instead. Very good. Well, I do have a couple questions, though, before you can say you are a believer in Dagamouth. Uh, okay. Do you believe in justice? 
Yeah? Alright, what? Do you believe in friendship? Well, I guess. Alright, we'll work on that one. Do you believe in the wellness of others and yourself? I do believe in that. Oh, good, good. And do you believe in carnage? Um, what? Carnage. What? Carnage? I mean, I guess I've seen carnage, so... Blood and violence and things, yeah? I mean, I... Yeah, I've seen it. I believe it exists. Alright, good enough. Okay, so then we're kind of back um, to discussing uh, what do uh, Pippo... No, what do Grefton and Millie think about, um, you know, Grefton... No, man. I'm gonna start over. Anyways, that's why Danny's over there in the corner. I'm so glad that he left this other group. Millie kind of waves at Danny in the in the corner. Sorry, Millie kind of waves at Danny in the corner. He'll wave back. Is he like, I guess he's like attending to Pippo kind of now. Learning. He just follows you around mostly. Learning how to paladin. Yeah. So, his name is Danny. Okay. Yeah, he's Danny. He's a teen boy of sorts. Danny, the teen boy. Right. Grefton never really met Dan, so... Oh, right. <laughs> hey, you friendos. Welcome to DHHQ. It's me, Alex, your friendly neighborhood GM. I'm going to try to keep these mid-breaks pretty short during these bonus episodes here between Season 1 and 2, but I did want to come on and say just a few things. First, thank you so much for listening to our show. We really appreciate you, and you know what? You're amazing. You have particular qualities that other people don't have, and they make the world a better place. Thanks for being you. Second, also thank you for listening to Season 1 and coming on this journey with us. We're so appreciative of the ways that you all are supporting us by sharing the word and listening to our show. You keep doing that, and we'll keep making the show. Deal? Deal. And, if you are jumping in now, you should go listen to Season 1. Finally, rules, rules, rules. I'm not going to dig into the rules in these bonus episodes, but I did want to mention that we changed things up for a few of these scenes. That's one of the really awesome parts about our game. We're in no way beholden to the rules. If they don't make sense for what we're doing, or if there are a few other rules that we should add on over the top to make the rules reflect the story, we totally have permission to do so. Now, that isn't exclusive to our system, but I think that the idea is kind of inherent in playing a system that we built. As you'll see in this episode and the next, being willing to change things up really helped convey the scene well, and doing things like setting aside our characters for an evening to pick up other citizens for Arana really helped us fill out the world and add quite a bit more personality to the city, especially since we spent so much time in the same place for Arc 1. I would really encourage any other GMs out there to give that a try if they want to add some more flavor to their environment. I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as we did creating it. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the uh, dinner conversation. Well, oh, Grifton, you were, you mentioned you was running around in the sewers again? Yeah, why would you do that? Well, you guys never really saw it, but there was a another grate the other way from how the thieves were going but i wondered why you kept going that way i couldn't get through it and the uh the nice gentleman who um had the minotaur at spear point told me that it's a magical water purification thing 
Uh, but I wanted to see if I could get around it. I wanted to see if I could get to where he was. We find ourselves back below the city of Arana. A wizard hat sits five inches off the stone floor as our favorite chipmunk explores more of these subterranean tunnels. Um, I think, did you have a specific way that you would want to re-enter the tunnels? Um, at this point, I think the entrances that you know Same of are uh, down through Gref or Gelda's basement and then also through the well. I think based on the um, description earlier of Gelda's being sort of a uh, nature or, you know, a bar with more plants and stuff, mm -hmm. I think Grefton has probably uh, established some sort of friendship or rapport with Gelda and has been granted access to her basement access to the sewers. Cool. Um, so that point you uh, go down that stairs, past the magical escalator, um, kind of back through that main entryway underneath where the well entry is. Um, I'm assuming at this point you're just doing this like during midday so that you've got as much light as possible down there. Yeah. Um, okay, so you come through, go through that main passageway under the well and come around the corner back heading towards that magical barrier. I think Grifton is also employing his uh, fireball perched top wizard hat method. Again. Nice. Um, so as you come around that corner, uh, it's well illuminated with your fireball there. Um, you see that there are two Pituki, the platypus guards that were kind of a little bit helpful to you in the um, catching of the bandits at the end, uh, standing on one of the side platforms um, and kind of gesturing and quacking to each other deep in conversation, and they're clearly concerned about something in the water. <laughs> Uh, they're gesturing, like, quite profusely. Suddenly I take notice of the chipmunk in the... Must be a dialect thing. <laughs> Uh, so at this point, Grefton, uh, you do not understand the Patuki's language. They do not understand Squeakinese, apparently. <laughs> they do not understand Squeakinese either. Uh, can I make an awareness check to see what's in the water? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give you advantage also, since you said you're employing your fireball. So make that... Double and then uh, okay. let me know what you get. First roll was 12. <laughs> Second roll is a nat 20. All right, so you can pretty well see into the water um, that there is a um, crate that is um, kind of trapped down in some weeds in like a side chamber where a tunnel like kind of heads off into. Um, you know, some other chamber underneath the water about 30 feet down. Um, and that's clearly what these two Patuki are, uh, you know, gesturing about and trying to resolve. So it's kind of tangled into some weeds. Um, but more importantly, uh, there's a group of electric eels that's now kind of like sleeping on and around the crate. And so um, they had kind of been disturbed when the box initially got stuck, but now are like 
there all around the crate and that's kind of what's causing the problem. Uh, <clears throat> switching to switching back to common, Griffin will say, <clears throat> having a bit of a problem with that crate there? Uh, the one Patuki is uh, nodding while uh, quacking and speaking Patukian. Um, so affirming what Grefton had just said and then kind of making like a squiggly motion with his hand. Uh, Grefton, uh, so Grefton will say, <clears throat> You all might want to uh, get out of the water in case those electric eels get uh, disturbed by this, but he'll, he'll, cause he's on the wall. And so he's going to try to grow like a, you know, some sort of natural plant, something down underwater to push that crate out of that passage where it's stuck. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to give you disadvantage on this since you're trying to grow it through the water. Yep. Um, but yeah, make your check. Really use that net 20. <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh, I spew myself out of the water uh, onto the side. I will also launch myself out of the water. Uh, first roll is a Sorry. seventeen. Okay. First roll is a seventeen on the die, so plus two for nature is nineteen, and then plus three for arcane is twenty-two. Okay. But disadvantage. Disadvantage. <laughs> Come on. Second roll is a 13 on the die, so 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 okay. total. Uh, what was it that you were actually trying to do with the plants? Um, my first thought was to grow a hedge, but since my skill, since I can't use my skill for that, I think I'm probably still going to try and grow a hedge because it's something that I'm at least familiar with growing. Sure. But I'm, instead of growing it behind me, I'm trying to grow it at a point where it will push the crate out from under whatever is holding it so that it can flip to the surface. Okay. Um, My understanding was that it was stuck under something. Yeah, it was like entangled in weeds. Um, So I think with that, it makes sense that you're um, getting that crate out, um, but because you're also growing a hedge like kind of through the area that the eels were in too, um, they're kind of swimming around the crate as well. So... Um, now you've got the eels and the crate all kind of like floating up to the surface towards you at this point. I'm going to back up towards the wall because I don't want to deal with this. <laughs> but I don't have my spear. I laugh or make a weird gurgly sound at... Like such as... <laughs> nice. And pull out my spear. And walk towards the water's edge. <laughs> Waddle towards the water's edge. Uh, Isaac the Patuki is sneering while quacking. <laughs> Can you sneer? Don't you have a beak? Yeah. It's, a bit of... it's more about the eyes than about the mouth. <laughs> Dagger eyes. Okay, so if you guys don't want to do anything like kind of in transit, then you've got the eels at the top, you've got the box at the top, and then both of you guys are, um, or you're all like standing on to the edge there. Um, you'll recall that there was about six inches of water above even that shelf. So you guys don't necessarily have um, 
clearance out of the water unless you want to move to one of the escalators or stairwells, um, which you could also do, but that's going to put you farther away from where the plant or where the crate rose to the surface. So what do you want to do? Where is Grafton in relation to me as far as... Are you on the wall or... Yeah, I was assuming that I'm on the wall I think in the passage coming towards you guys. Makes sense. So you're probably... We'll just say this is kind of where the crate is coming up in the middle here. Um, so we've got the two Patuki kind of close to that and then Grefton more towards that entryway. And then on the other side of the two Patuki, you have uh, that opening into the smaller room. And across from that, you have it with the escalator going up to where Grefton fought with the Minotaur. I'm going to go into that opening and get myself out of the water. Cool. I will also head towards that opening. Okay. And then I get there, I'm going to stick my face out past the uh, corner, look down towards Grefton, pull something out of my pocket, and He's waving it around through the air and kind of gesturing down with it. Um, hmm. Is the crate floating with the current to some extent at this point? Yeah, I guess it would be. Okay. So it'll kind of naturally float down that way towards that opening. Mm. Do I have a sense of how big this crate is? Is it something that would float over top of that little bridge or would it get stopped on the... It all gets stopped by the bridge. bridge. It all get stopped by the water yeah. bridge. Okay. Um, uh, the crate itself is probably two feet long by about a foot tall. So it's not super huge, but it's, you know, substantial. Also remembering that the Patuki are about three foot tall. Um, so. They can swim. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um... Um, also kind of like keeping that in mind, I think the crate isn't necessarily super buoyant. Um, there's probably some amount of wading down so that as they're trying to swim through the waters, it's not just totally like trying to lift them up to the surface the whole time. It was enough that it did float to the surface, but it wasn't just like shooting straight up there. So, okay. So it's maybe like a couple of inches above the surface, really. Yeah. A foot deep. Right. Okay. Um, I guess Grufton will go ahead and, mm, yeah, Grufton will risk, uh, taking some damage from the eels to, uh, use his normal grow hedge, uh, ability to try and he'll swim across the channel where that bridge is Okay. and grow a hedge to where it's sticking up just above the water, maybe a couple inches, to give the Patuki something to uh, walk on so they don't have to get in the water. Okay, so you're just trying to, like, lift the bridge, kind of? Yeah, trying to make sure that, like, if the eels decide to discharge, then they're not going to really have a good current. Okay, yeah. A good way to hit the Patuki. That makes sense. Um, So... I'm going to have them roll an attack on you. Okay. Uh, I guess first roll your um, 
That's a skill, so just roll your skill die. We decided it would be a d12 for the success of the hedge. That's and what then, I was double checking. Yeah, is. and then a d20 versus if people were actually trying to counter against it or yeah. save from it. Oh, I edited that, but I forgot to edit the die for it. So, okay. Uh, a one. So, oh, no. plus. A nat one? Or one on a d12, though. Okay, which means you need to confirm the failure, right? So you this need to true. roll a d12 again. Oh, no. And if you get below a six, you've confirmed the failure. And if you get above a six, it's not a nat failure. So d12 must confirm criticals of either side. Roll a one through six to confirm the failure. Seven to 12, success. Oh, man. Okay. And I can't use luck to re-roll it because it's a d12. Dang. Well, well, can't re-roll well, can't, can't, can't re-roll re on that one. Right. Can I reroll the confirm? <laughs> no. No, I don't know. I don't assume no. That would be my default reaction. Oh. Oh, so oh. Okay, so I think how that uh, how we're gonna play that out is what's your what's the ending number? Um seven? From a one or from yeah. a five? From a one. From a one? It would be six. Okay. Um, well, it'd be it'd be for the height of the hedge is what it would be. So it'd be three feet up to three feet tall. Yeah. So I think what makes sense here is you uh, do grow your hedge just fine, but in doing that, you're gonna draw an attack from um, some of these eels. So roll a d4. Me? Yep. Oh. Well. There are four eels. Two. Two, okay. D4 really likes two tonight. You take seven electricity damage. Which is a subset of fire? Is that yep. correct? Okay. And fire is... Fire is strong against nature, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I believe so. Because it's weak to air? Yeah. Okay. So, 7 times 1.5. I just made it 10. 10. But you have that uh, hedge growing. And we'll just say it goes all the way across from where, like, the stair is up on one side all the way across that bridge to the stair, the escalator on the other side. Escalator is currently going up. I mean, I have created a platform for the Patuki, so... That you have. I will yell at them, uh... I think you can probably get to it now. We stick our heads around the corner. And then quickly waddle onto the bridge. Or at least I do. I stick my head around the corner. And Grafton's still on this side of the... Walkway, no, he's on the, the other side. the opposite now. side now. Okay. So there's a bridge across to where Grafton is. I'll, I'll follow her and go over to the, where the box is moving. Cool. Um, I think between the uh, spear that you've got and the platform that Grefton has created to where you don't really have to get in the water, you guys are able to get the crate mm -hmm. back out. Um, so at this point, you've successfully helped the Patuki. Uh, they make their gratitude clear. 
<laughs> what does that look like? <laughs> I'm going to hold up a little biscuit I have. And <laughs> present it to Grafton. Can you I describe just what your hand motions just look like? Nodding emphatically. I'm doing like, you know, dolphin jumping and like fish flapping, flappy action and like an eating motion. Movement. I yeah, did like an eating motion uh, for the biscuit with the biscuit in yeah. my hand. And I'm just nodding oh. along emphatically and pointing at the biscuit and pointing at you. So uh, Griffin will oh. say, Griffin will say, thank you. Uh, or, <clears throat> thank you. And he will take the biscuit and put it in one of his cheek pockets. Great. Uh, <laughs> I'm not eating it. I'm putting it in my pocket. Put it in my mouth pocket. <laughs> I wasn't eating it, just, just tasting it. All right. Uh, so you uh, kind of part ways with the patuki. They take their crate. Um, and then you head off to continue exploring the tunnels. Back at dinner, uh, what do Pippo and Billy think of his uh, Patuki adventure? So you met the dogfish? Aren't they so cute? They seem nice enough, but a little bit uh, not so brave. <laughs> How did the biscuit taste? Kind of like a biscuit. <laughs> did it do anything? I don't know if Jim did do anything. Not if you haven't eaten it. You've only put it in your mouth pocket. If it's been a you, were, you were very clear that you put it in your mouth pocket and did not eat it. He <laughs> like, it out on the table in front of us. That's right, Ben. <laughs> been in my pocket this whole time. <laughs> I would assume if it's been a couple of days, I've probably eaten it in the interim. Um, well, if you've eaten it and you, <laughs> I guess make an arcane roll when you ate it. When I ate it? Oh boy. Did you eat it while you were in the sewers? Probably. Like Griffin probably had it as a snack while he was exploring, exploring. so he didn't have to come back up for okay, like lunch or something. Okay, then make it with advantage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, I'm going to have, uh... Isaac the Patuki make a charisma roll. <laughs> to see if he communicated it well. 16. Uh, arcane check, is it nature or fire? Neither. No. Neither? Okay. Then it is a 15 plus 3, so 18. Okay, yeah. Uh, so when you're kind of like snacking on it um, in the sewers... Um, you were kind of like thinking about what the Patuki was doing and kind of put together that that had allowed you to breathe underwater as part of your exploration. Um, and so we'll keep that in mind when I tell you what you know about the sewer system. All right. Uh, all right. So, yeah. So what else are we talking about? Grafton. Did you shower after playing in the sewers for five days? Why? It's wet down there. That would explain the Damn. smell. <laughs> oh, thank you, smells nice. That would explain your smell, too. Danny Teen Boy has taken a couple of steps away from the table as he's like, 
convulsing. <laughs> you know, Millie, if you keep talking to people like that, the goons don't want to fight you. This has been Keys to the Universe, a Dubious Histories podcast.